mom's ass. It's Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Tim. And this is Andrew. I'm really glad I'm last because I would not have remembered the right order. (laughs) (laughs) It's so ruby in here. That I'm uh, I'm remote recording. (laughs) I'm recording remotely. (laughs) I am most certainly not recording from the pre-specified location. (laughs) You can't even say it, can you? No, I can't. (laughs) My dad will listen to the podcast and be like, oh, by the way, I was listening to your podcast and uh, what the fuck? I'm a little concerned about the location. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this. I was out Saturday morning. Well, I have some interesting news for for, for you guys and Paul in general. Does this relate to late night tweets I saw between you and Jeff Bailey? Well, somewhat. You know, Jeff is a a long term uh, friend of the Backseat Producers Backseat Box Office. He's kind of our roving reporter, and uh, you know, we with this with this sponsorship deal we recently got, we've got a little extra money, so we sent him down to San Diego Comic Con, and uh, he used some of those hard young ducats to uh, uh, pick up something for Paul. And in fact, he picked up a copy of Fairy Quest. Like, is this real? Are you fucking with me? No, this is real. Holy shit. But there is, there is one problem with it, he said. Uh, apparently, like on the front page, some, some, some jackhole has written their name, and it says, like, Umberto Ramos or something on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my. I'm, I'm touched. Yeah, you got it down, got it signed, uh, and and I've got some details for you afterwards. Nice. I don't even have to like go to eBay that shit. Like I was going. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff's a great guy, and and you know he knew you were looking for it, so he, he uh, hooked you up. Whoa. Well, thank you, Jeff Bailey. I, I I'm 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 gonna cry a little bit, and I don't know if it's because my house is ninety degrees inside, or if <laughs> genuinely touched. Why is your house Bailey? ninety degrees inside, Paul? Well, you know. Because I'm recording this in the middle of, you know, one of those heat waves that's going around, you know, it's the new craze is, you know, let's fucking have 115 degrees in Virginia of all Uh places. Yeah. Um, You know, and I have an older home with, I mean, the AC unit isn't that old, but it's oldish and it just can't keep up. Um, During the evening, I had to uh, like my AC unit keeps popping the circuit breaker. Like, and then it'll, you know, so the AC turns off and, you know, we don't realize it till, you know, we check on it. Shit happened four times last night. Yeah. Uh, you know, in 100-degree weather, and it's like, oh, my God. It was like sleeping in a sauna. Did you so. talk to your air conditioning man about a hard start kit? I have not yet. I am going <sighs> to, though, because, you know, I, I just haven't had a chance. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You, you know, sleep. Paul, it's nice and cool where we're sitting. <laughs> I mean, we had to push the Denver Broncos out of the way because they were already there before us. God, I would rather record from the fires of hell than the previously specified location. Yes, I, I'm rethinking all these uh, these sins that I've committed in my life because you know hell's hot, and uh, you know I'm, I'm not really enjoying this heat. You know, you know, you did you did you tell Mrs. Aponte that it might be a little cooler if she took off for the chicken costume? Uh, you know, no, because it's worth it. It is. Worth it. <laughs> 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 I, I'm hoping she'll get a spot on the uh, Wonder Woman and the Furries book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, chickens don't actually have fur, Paul. It doesn't matter. 
Like so, so what? So you can't fuck a girl in a chicken costume? Does that make her not a furry? <laughs> no, I, I, see your, I, I see your point, and I concede it to you. Well played. She's a feathery. You win. <laughs> a poultry. She's a poultry. There you go. She's poultry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going off the rails real fast. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some real let's talk about a real piece of crap. Let's talk about the new Spider-Man trailer. Oh man, that looks awful. Yeah, it's just who thought? Hey, you know what? We're gonna make a trailer for the new Spider-Man movie that's in 3D. And what we're gonna do? It's it, we're gonna have a minute and a half of showing emo Peter Parker and blonde Emma Stone, and then in the last five seconds they'll get to see Spider-Man of the Spider-Man movie trailer. See, what I hated about it is all their Spider-Vision stuff. They're shooting the whole film in 3D so they can do this whole, we want you to feel like you're Spider-Man. So you're going to be shooting through the city. You're going to see his arms flailing. You're going to see him, you know, basically everything that was in the trailer. But it's all designed for 3D. I don't plan on seeing it in 3D because I don't like 3D movies. So instead, we're just going to sit there getting motion sick while they move through the city with flailing arms and stuff. Not not a good idea. I mean, there's two things well, I really dislike about this trailer. One is they're doing the same damn uh, story that they always do. It's the origin story. He gets bit by uh, a spider. I'm sure at some point, somehow, Uncle Ben's going to die, and he'll have to no. avenge his death. Yeah, no, I, Martin spoiler, Shaw is Uncle Ben. Spoiler. Spoiler. God damn it, Andrew. Nobody knows that. I'm well, and for the extra depression, they're going to go back to when he was a kid, and they're going to show how, how his parents died, too. Exactly. No! <laughs> so there's that. There's that lame story. And then I agree. This whole I'm not a huge 3D guy. The whole Spider-Vision thing seems uh, weak. I can see yeah. Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben, though. I'm having a real hard time with Sally Fields as Aunt May. Because you want yeah. a boner? <laughs> well, you know, she she advertises all that orthopedic, uh, you know, uh, medicine. You know, she's 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 got the the the, the bone issues. No, you don't Aaron think Aunt May has Aaron, bone issues? Aaron yeah. still sees her in the back of the Corvette with Burt Reynolds taking off the wedding dress or whatever. <laughs> that, that's a good scene. That's what a goddamn is, good scene. What movie is that? Smoking Cannibal Run. Oh, Cannibal uh, Spider Man. Same difference. <laughs> Burt Reynolds is in Spider-Man? Fantastic. Oh, you know, Burt Reynolds as Uncle Ben would be great. Maybe Burt he Reynolds plays, as uh, Uncle Maybe he plays the guy who kills Uncle Ben. Yes. No, no, no. And then, and then he hooks up with Ant-Man. Two, three. Yeah, I thought in the trailer that Emma Stone actually made a pretty good uh, Gwen Stacy. And they seem to be doing more of a Gwen Stacy like the uh, the last cartoon, that sensational Spider-Man one. Where she's smart and working in a lab somewhere. I thought that was at least kind of cool. That was the only thing I took from the teaser, though. Out of the entire however long it was, the only thing I got out of it was, hey, they're they're trying to be sensational Spider-Man. Yeah, but, you know, Blonde Emma Stone is a crime against man. Just want to put that out there. Hey, Aaron, are so, they going to screen it for us in the man cave here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, because that's the only way I'd watch that piece of crap. <laughs> You did not just refer to my mom's ass as the man cave. <laughs> I think I think he might have. <laughs> oh my god. 
<laughs> I think Paul's regretting connecting this morning. <laughs> I think so. I think I'll go sleep in my 90-degree heat. Well, uh, he's really wishing he was actually here with us, I think. That's why he regrets Skyping in. He wishes he was he was with the rest of us. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, do you want to take your headset off before we talk about uh, the, uh, the thing that popped up at the end of the trailers for uh, yeah. Captain America? Yes, I do. So it was I a gremlin. Take it off. It was, it was, it was coming off right now. Coming off. Oh. <laughs> yeah, baby. Mm. <laughs> I love it. It was a gremlin, like the like in Gremlins two, where the film peeled away, and it was the gremlins doing the uh, hand. Oh, yep. you know what? I was actually thinking of gr- <laughs> the gremlin cars from the most recent Cars movie. <laughs> I haven't seen Cars two. There's gremlin. I, I have. Yeah, There's a gremlin that. car. Yeah, that's a U- European car. But anyway, let's talk about Captain America. <laughs> So, well, I didn't see the actual movie, but I have seen the the teaser trailer that pops up at the end of it. Yeah, because normally you get like a whole scene after the credits for these uh, these Marvel movies, and there is a little bit of a scene before this trailer pops up. But after Captain America is a trailer for Avengers, a teaser oh. trailer, and it is hot. Yeah, you get to see Tony Stark standing next to Thor with Captain America in the background and Hawkeye, and we get to you know we get to see them all in the same room for the first time. We actually get to see Thor fling his hammer. Yeah, and there are some new is... costumes too, right? I mean, like I know Thor has a new costume. Yep, I liked his old costume. Well, he didn't. He you know he got more fashionable apparently. <laughs> Sleeveless is the is the way to go in the uh, the Avengers movie. Niche you off those guns. You know, and I was surprised. I didn't realize they they apparently filmed a lot more of that movie than I thought they had. Yeah, to have that many scenes. Yeah, I mean, they had a good bit of. Uh, I mean, they had Fury in there doing lines. They had uh, uh, a lot of the effects. It was it was pretty good. Did uh, when did they start filming on that thing? I, I don't know. I didn't know they did until I saw that. You know, after yeah. credit thing. I think they filmed right. They started filming a little while back because I remember. Uh, the first day of filming a couple months ago, so because it was a big deal. So it's been about two, three months since they started filming, I think. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I'm pumped for it. I can't wait. Yep. So how was Captain May America? 2012. It's going to be good. Am I the only one here that actually saw Captain America already? No, I Wayne. I saw it as well. I thought so. I loved it. I also loved it. I don't want to go into specifics. I don't want to spoil anything, but I love what they did. They did, you know, just like all these movies, they do a little reimagining of the origin stories and, uh, and, and the canon material. And I thought they did a great job with it. Love Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. Um, Stanley's cameo was very good. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Uh, it was, it's, it's a fine, fine movie. It's, it's a lot of fun. I, I highly recommend everybody go out and see it. Well, apparently between the heat wave and, uh, you know the uh, the fact that people are enjoying it. It made sixty six million dollars on Friday alone. Wow! I was Uh-oh. hoping this one would make a lot of money. Uh oh! <laughs> I was not expecting Sugar. it to make that. I was not expecting it to make that much on Friday night. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, I was surprised last night. I went to you know me and a friend were going to see it. And I went and pulled up the listings. Uh, we have two theaters in town. One has eight screens, and there's exactly five showings of Captain America yesterday, both in between 3D and 2D. There are five showtimes. The other studio, uh, uh, kind of the stadium theater, has 16 uh, screens, and it had about eight showings between the 2D and the 3D, and that was it. I think. I, I was, I think well, apparently I think you're not a target market. <laughs> 
I guess because I mean we're a big college town. I mean, a ton of kids, but oh, it was, I was playing just, on a it was playing on a ton of screens here. And when I went into the theater that I saw it in, it was almost as crowded as it was when I took my wife for Harry Potter last weekend. Man, I, I knew it was I packed. knew I should have skipped picks this week and what tim's talking about is we had a we had there's a big dilemma for anyone playing along at home on backseat box office this week is was harry potter with its 160 million gonna hold on to the top spot or was captain america gonna bring up enough money to take uh, the number one place away from it guess you know the answer now stupid captain america <laughs> guess you know who picked harry potter me and wayne i mean me and tim <laughs> let's see so, I, I didn't pick anything i no, no I, I, blame you, I blame you nerds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't blame the nerds because all the nerds are at San Diego Comic-Con right now. That's true. Except it's, us. Yeah. Holy shit, Aaron's back. <laughs> <laughs> like a ninja, that guy is. I, I didn't see him walk back in. I mean, you'd think you'd see him walk in the room since we're all here together. but uh, It's quite think. spacious. I mean, you know, there's a couple <laughs> different hidden... You know, like Al Capone's house. <laughs> There, there he was. He was sitting behind all the midgets. (laughs) 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 You know there was a midget corner. Look at that. But yeah, go now. Get out there and see Captain America. It's it's it straddles the line between being a good movie and being a good comic book movie. Honestly, there's a little little too much comic book for me to say it was just a good movie, but it's it's close. It's on the it's on the line. It was but, fun, over-the-top superhero action in World War II. That's if, how I describe it. Do, do us a favor. If you're going to go see Captain America, go see Harry Potter twice first. <laughs> <laughs> do that Do that, Do that. that solid for me and Andrew, would you? Yeah, see, see Captain America 2D because uh, that's what I saw it in. And then, it, it, Wayne, did you see 3D? Nope. I avoid okay. 3D. And then go see Harry Potter twice in 3D. And that, that'll make things balanced out for Tim and I. If the podcast voting against the comic book property, I'm sure. I mean, you should be true to your comic book origins. Eh, I gotta win the game, Wayne. I gotta win. Yeah, no, apparently you don't. You play the numbers. Right. So, Wayne, I gotta know because because I know where your uh, your feelings lie in this. Um, Have you been to Borders yet? Have you uh, you know Have you done your Vulture run yet? I haven't, but we'll be going today. Probably right after the podcast. Yeah, I went last night, and uh, you know, <laughs> it was funny because I'd forgotten, you know, about the news earlier in the week that Borders was uh, going out of business until I was reading a really derogatory comment that Greg Pack made on Twitter about, yeah, all the vultures are over at Border right now. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, I, I definitely am going to go hit it up today. I mean, there's a couple books I'd like to see if they still have. I want to hit the comic book section, see if there are any trades I can get really cheap. Well, you know, I was walking through the, the one over here, and, and they had everything was like 10% off. I'm like, 10%? Yeah, that's weak. That's nothing, you know? And so I, was, I, I did a loop through the graphic novel section where the graphic novels were all 25% off. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's worth looking at. But, you know... You on, on most any given day, Amazon's going to beat a ten percent price. Absolutely. Yeah, I I want the forty percent off that they're advertising. Yeah, and yep. I didn't see any forty percent off uh, anything below twenty five percent at my borders. Well, and you know Greg Pack can say derogatory things, but really, us vultures are just there helping borders pay off its debt. That's right. Before they close the doors. That's right. Well, apparently nobody looks at the 
the outline except for me and Paul. Reporters <laughs> was clearly not in the outline. Paul had transitioned beautifully into San Diego Comic Con news, and he crapped all over it. So I, I would like uh, to point out that the train had already diverted from the San Diego conversation before I ever hit borders. You know, fuck this. I quit. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. You know, it was hey. awkward with him being up in the ass anyway, so. <laughs> and now we've got fair, funny books with Aaron and Tim. Tim, congratulations. Shut your the front door, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I've waited for this day for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, this is where Aaron changed his name just to fucking funny books. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, is anybody else a little underwhelmed about the news coming out of San Diego? I am. It hasn't I'm been not. much. I didn't actually yeah. quit. put that out there. Spoiler. Oh, we're talking about comic book news. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. Yep. Yeah, it just not, doesn't seem like they're wrestling news. I mean, maybe it's because uh, DC kind of shot their wad earlier in the summer with the whole news about the, the new 52. But uh, it just doesn't seem like there's much coming out. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're trickling more information about the 52. But every new piece of information they trickle out just makes me angry. Huh. I, I was excited. I was one of the guys jumping on board. This is the, one of the coolest things ever. I'm glad to be a part of it and all that. And now I start reading more and more of these articles about what their plans are for Superman. And it just pisses me off to no end. So they, we should probably preface this because Wayne sent out an email about all the Superman hubbub earlier this week. And I have I have differing opinions than you, Wayne. They don't seem to have any idea who or what the character is. They're missing everything that's good about the core of the character. This new Superman that they're creating is more Kal-El than Clark Kent, is one of their quotes. He's going to be a brooding Superman, which why the hell do we need a Superman that broods? It's I mean, They're missing the core of the character. This is a guy that grew up on a farm in Kansas, Ma and Pa Kent, instilled their values in him and then he goes out to become superman he's not this alien that wears kryptonian armor has heritage you know you know because he came from krypton but i think i think what they're going to share with you though is a kal-el that is none of those things a clark a, a, a clark kent character that is not you know uh the the icon of the dc universe i think we're looking at something completely different that they're that they're attempting to explore yeah, exactly. And that's what makes me angry about it because we haven't had a good Superman story in a long time, and we're still not going to have a good one because they don't understand the character of Superman. Well, and I have been there right there with you, Wayne, about the, that there hasn't been a, a good Superman story in a long time. Uh, I, I've been really critical with DC about that, and I'd like to say that I need to apologize for that statement. I have gone back through and read most of the new Krypton stories, and I gotta say, I've loved it. I've thought, I, I think that the from beginning to end, starting with uh, the the Brainiac story where Clark's father dies, um, it's all just terrific. I, I've really rather enjoyed it, and certainly there are some problems. What I'm real curious to find out is if War of the Superman reads different after having read all of the new Krypton stuff. But I think those were actually good Superman stories, and I'm I'm sad that what makes me sad about the the new Fifty Two is that you know this is the Superman that that you and I love in terms of, you know, he's more Clark Kent than outer space alien. Right. Right. I hate that. We're going to lose that. I hate that. We're not at least going to get some kind of ultimate line version where we can continue the universe that we like, uh, perhaps in, in a smaller form that we're going to lose everything that, that you and I have been enjoying since the John Byrne run. 
um, you know, warts and all. You know, I just I, that's what I hate about the, the new Fifty Two. I think it's great that they're going to try and tell some new stories, um, but I just hate I just don't want to read the stories they're going to tell. And I'm right there with you. I, I, in terms of. Well, and I'm not even going to say that because I am going to I am going to buy the George Perez uh, Superman. I will not be touching the Grant Morrison Superman. But uh, you know, I'm I'm just I just hate that we're going to lose some stuff that I rather like, and that I don't think they fully explored. If I felt like they had fully capped the character, I'd be all over going to something new. But I think because it's a an ongoing series type of comic. There are those things that they've shied away from telling, and I really wish they'd spend another year and just kind of wrap some stuff up. So, um, I disagree. Ooh. About? Everything. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's all I have to say, really. So, uh, next topic. No. Next. Uh, well, Paul, we're already in the Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leave. All right, go. So, I, 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 get, I get that you guys have concerns and you know are, are, are a bit appalled about how to wayne's point going away from the core concept of superman going away from the core character but i gotta be honest i'm okay with it i think this is a and i think i'm okay with it because they're not going away from the core character of superman this is not the same character this is not the same universe this is literally you know this is new this is something new this isn't the same superman yeah i mean he's got the same name but i mean I have to think of it as a different character. And at the same time, I think I'm okay with some of the changes they're making to his origin. I'm okay with a broody Superman. I'm okay, if it's well-written. I mean, what it boils down to me is if, if it's well-written and it's well-drawn, I don't care if he's a brooding Superman and his parents died when he was a kid and he never married Lois Lane. As long as I'm enjoying the story, you know, it doesn't matter to me, you know, because... I, 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 you know, I know we have these preconceived notions about Superman and he should be married to Lois Lane and he should have been raised as a farm boy and blah, blah, blah. And that's what we've had for 60 years. You know, and, I don't you know, even mind the retcon of the marriage. That's not a big deal to me. It's just Superman to me. This is, He is the iconic character. He is the character that all the other superheroes look up to. He's the one character that should be kind of above all the others. And a brooding Superman is not an iconic character that everyone looks up to. He's Batman in bright, you know, bright blues. But I'd venture to say, I mean, if it ends up proving not successful, we will get our Superman back. And I'm sure there will always be tales of the original Superman. I mean, this isn't taking away from the other Superman books that we've enjoyed growing up. You know, but this is something new. And I got to say, yeah, I mean, the World of New Krypton may have been good, Aaron. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I've been, I enjoyed the Jeff Johns run. But we weren't getting good, solid Superman tales in you know, stories before. And so if they need to change the character of Superman for me to get a well-written Superman book, I'm okay with it. Because I just – I think maybe they felt that the character had run its course. And I know you disagree, Aaron, but I mean in, in, to a certain extent, unless they're going to you know, do Superman and Son and kill off characters and actually progress the character, which they felt like I guess they couldn't. You know, the, I guess the, the next best logical step was to do a reboot. And no, yeah, I, 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 I agree, and I, I understand the need for the reboot. I just – I think they're leaving stories on the table that they haven't told. That's my objection. Yeah, and I, I don't I, – I, I'm surprised that so much of it – because most of the characters that I enjoy, Green Lantern, Batman, their stories are not rebooting. There will probably be subtle changes throughout history, especially because of the Superman thing. Right. But for the most part, you know, the continuity will remain the same. Um, everything I've enjoyed about Batman these last couple of years is still going to happen and it will still have happened. Same right. with Green Lantern. I don't know about Flash. 
uh, Superman and Wonder Woman are really the characters who are going back to the beginning and restarting everything. Right. And, you know, if it gets more people reading those books and if they're actually well written, go for it. I mean, that's all I got to say. I really am curious if this does have anything to do with all the lawsuits. I have a suspicion that Superman will come to Earth older, that we won't see a baby Superman put in the rocket and sent. I think he'll be at least a child or more, that he'll have memories of Krypton this time. I think a lot of it is motivated by the lawsuit. You know, and I thought, I think, I'm, you know, because I, was it Tony Mast who left us a voicemail about that? Uh-huh. It was. And I, it's weird, though. It, it's weird to me because they're going with the concept that he's more Kal-El. Right. And that, and the Kal-El part of the story is the part that is one of the biggest parts of the thing that's being taken away, taken away in the lawsuit. The Kal-El history, though, was never really defined. It was that he's an – actually, they didn't even give him the name Kal-El in the original stories. It, the What was defined was he is a was a baby from Krypton that was put in a rocket and sent to Earth. If he's not a baby, a big part of that lawsuit kind of goes away with the character. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm surprised at the way they're taking it, given the nature of the lawsuit. But – I mean, I, I, I am curious. I, I saw some of the preview art from Action Comics. I was honestly more impressed with the art from Action Comics than I was in the art from Superman number one. Yeah. Um, by George Perez and Jesus Marino. But, you know, I'm going to give both books a try. And uh, I don't know if you guys picked up any DC books this week, but they had this two page spread of the new 52 and the Justice League drawn by Jim Lee. And I just thought that was a gorgeous two page spread. I'm excited about it. What I've seen in the Justice League artwork, it does look beautiful. It's the kind of superhero artwork I like to see. You mean the two-page subway spread? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's way more than two pages. And that is still pissing me off severely. But you're getting original Superman there. I am so (laughs) sick of those damn subway (laughs) ones in the middle of the book. Jesus. Um, I I agree, Andrew. I've I've had it with Jared Subway in my goddamn what comic books. Yeah, six pages in my book. God, the first week they did it, I almost didn't pick up a book because I flipped it open and that's what I landed on. I put it back on the shelf until I flipped open another DC book, saw it was the same thing, and then I picked it back up and got the original book. They almost <laughs> cost themselves a sale for this Subway stuff. You know the the only the only issue I have about the uh, the Justice League lineup there is Cyborg. He just doesn't seem well placed for that team. I, I know they're pumping the Cyborg thing. I mean, they've been trying to make Cyborg this big character for years now, right. and I just don't get it. He's a fucking Cyborg. That's all he is. You know. I just but, don't. I, I I think that it's. I just think that it's not a strong character. I, I think there are any number of other characters you could you could put in there. I you know I would prefer uh, what is the guy from from the. Uh, Milestone lineup, uh, hardware. I'd prefer yeah. hardware in that role. He's a more interesting character. Much and more you interesting know, character than Dick Stone, who's always whining about, eh, I'm a cyborg, I'm only part human. Eh. I'm so my, <laughs> my main disappointment with the lineup is that because the book is set five years in the past, yeah. um, you're not getting Sinestro Green Lantern, you're getting Hal Jordan Green Lantern. Because right. I would have loved you know, Sinestro Green Lantern on that team. That, well, maybe in the, you know... When yeah, I think that's only up. the first – that's really only the first story arc from what we've heard that's going to be in the past. I think yeah. it will jump back to modern day after that first storyline. After Jim Lee leaves the title. You know, Paul, that might be enough to actually pick up a Justice League book. Maybe. Well, you know, speaking of changing characters and things like that, 
Daredevil number one came out this week, written by Mark Wade with art by Paolo Riviera. And if you Riviera. were were reading uh, Twitter at all this week, everybody in the world said Daredevil number one was the best book in the history of ever. Who said that? <laughs> I need to speak to these people now. All of them work for Marvel. Because oh. <laughs> let's let's just start the cover. I now have my nominee for the worst cover of the year for the the next Funny Book Awards show. Because that really? cover, oh, what it, like it's horrible. It. Tell me what you liked about it. Okay, and I'll tell yeah. you why you're wrong. Okay, <laughs> I like it because it's like Daredevil vision. Like it shows the world, and it's all made up of sound. Like how he sees the world. You know, he sees smoke. You know, it's all based on sound. So you, you know, you you look at it, and at first you just see Daredevil in this gray background but if you look closer you see there's a city back there and there's birds flying and steam rising and things like that and it's all you know made up of different words and you know i I actually liked that and i liked that about the inside of the book too they did that in a couple of moments in the book and i enjoyed seeing that okay so my my point i think would be that they do do that on the inside of the book, but in the inside of the book, they do actually more actual radar. So I should say more of a sonar vision. You know, everything's lines. You know, it's more of like a topographical map than than sound. I yeah, I really don't care. The whole you know, like for the bird on the cover where it has flap, 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 flap on the wings and the body and the head. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care for that. I think that's kind of a cheesy, cheesy thing they went for. And if they were gonna do it, it would be nice if they had a little more, little more contrast. It's just such a flat, dull cover. It just does nothing for me. And then you look at Daredevil himself, the one thing actually colored. He's got this cheesy, you know, shit-eating grin on his face. And then he's got that baton positioned right over where his eyes would be. And I know he doesn't have eye holes on his costume, but it just, it looks very awkward. It doesn't look, he's he's supposed to be swinging around on his batons, but his body posture in no way looks like that. He looks like he's running upstairs or, you know, up a hill or something, the way his legs are held. (laughs) He's on the toilet. No, <laughs> maybe, maybe That's exactly how I am on the toilet. <laughs> Covering your, your eyes with your baton. <laughs> All right, so so we disagree on on the cover, Paul. But what do you think about the interior art? I, I I liked it. I gotta be honest. I don't. I won't say this was the greatest thing in the history of ever, but I enjoyed the hell out of this book. I I, I like it's it's going. It's more of a classical daredevil. It's fun daredevil. It's not just dark and brooding daredevil, which is all we've gotten since Frank Miller was on the title. I like this fun, swashbuckling, kissing the mafia princess daredevil. I, I enjoyed that about this character. Because I hated please. fucking Shadowland. I hated it. I hated Shadowland. You know, and I just, <clears throat> I like this character now. Aaron, throw me a bone. Okay, so uh, I'm right there with you, Andrew, in terms of the cover. Oh. I don't think it's a very good cover at all. Um, all right. I love the interior art, though. Um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Paolo Rivera and was it uh, the Martin? Uh, uh, yeah, Marcos Martin. Marcos Martin. Um, love the artwork. What I was worried about in this book, you know, with Mark Wade taking over, and you know, Mark Wade's a huge talent in comics, and I thought it was going to be a reboot. Um, I was, I had was, had deep concerns that they were just going to walk away from the continuity established by you know Frank Miller, Kevin Smith. And, you know, for something like 100 issues, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Bendis Malieve run on uh, Daredevil. I have all of those books in trade. They're a fantastic story from beginning to end. They told this just, you know, tragic tale of Matt Murdock. Absolutely love it. So 
number one, they, they tipped their hat towards what came before. So, you know, they, they held on to that and then explain why the character is moving forward this way. I have to say I preferred the backup story to the lead story. I really enjoyed the the you know walking around with Foggy Nelson kind of explaining, you know, what he's doing. Um, I thought both stories worked well together. I like Paul, I, you know, I enjoyed seeing a happier look to Daredevil. Um, I think Shadow uh, Shadow what the hell was it? Shadowland was uh, uh, was bad because it was poorly written. I don't think it had anything to do with the character. Um, I think Shadowland could have been fantastic had it been, you know, uh, had a, some different writers worked on it and it not had such a gigantic scope. Um, but that said, I, you know, I, I don't think that Daredevil number one was the best book in the history of ever. I did enjoy the book and I liked it enough to pick up the next issue. So I found <laughs> it to be so we, we've got Paul on one side. It seems like Aaron's a bit in the middle and then I think we'll be on the other side. But I was not impressed with this book. The interior art was fine. It's not uh, – some of the body postures on, on Daredevil when he's doing his acrobatics seem really unnatural and odd to me. But I'm probably just being hypercritical. Now, but didn't you that, – that, that scene where he's doing his whole little sonar radar thing on the spot or whoever the villain is. Um, yeah. I thought that was really interesting to look at. Flip over there real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I thought the, the 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 whole book, you know, there there are little subtle things, you know, that show what Daredevil sees. You know, it sh- you know, it'll show like the sonar vision sporadically, and sometimes it's a little more subtle than a whole panel. I mean, it's a little piece of a panel or something like that, and I I, I liked that. I mean, I, it was it was different. And, and I agree, I do like the little bits of sonar vision throughout the interior of the book, like with, when he's looking at Spot, and you can see the holes through Spot's body because you know he's not all there. Yeah. And no, I think that's great. But like when you look at the part, like when he's falling backwards off the top of the uh, judicial building, yeah, that, that, it's, it's not how your body would actually move. Oh, it's it's that's exactly how my body moves. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just uh, so so some of it's just a little jarring to me. But but I think the art's okay. But the story, you know, he starts off this little little short story at the spot at the mob funeral, and I've never heard of the spot before. But fine, okay, it's it's a fine little story. <laughs> But the whole courtroom drama and the, you know, it's it's good that they're staying with continuity. I like they didn't reboot it. I like that his identity is out there. But it, it, to think that's just going to go away, I think, isn't really realistic. But I don't want to keep reading about all the hardship and trials and tribulations he has because his identity is public now. So that's not a story I'm interested in reading. I can I can understand why some people might. But that's just I just don't want to go through the lawyer using his his identity as da- daredevil against him in court of law to win his case or to at least get you know postponed right you know that yeah. was that was what four three three four pages of text there yeah but i mean I, I think it worked okay to establish what the universe is you know to to show I, I think it was more to show that what came before is not being undone but i mean you're right I, if, if it happens in every issue that'll be annoying but at least, it, you know, I mean, it's been a long time since Daredevil's been a fucking lawyer, too. I mean, because he right. was in jail, and Iron Fist was Daredevil for a while, and then there was Shadowland. And then you the know, Black it, Panther. It, yeah, that's true. The Black Panther is the man without fear right now. So, I don't know. It's it's cool. I, I, that's I'm, I'm, the lawyer you want, the guy that couldn't keep himself out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I but really was, enjoyed the... Go ahead, Boyne. I said, that's I, I really, the lawyer I fight if it's attorney. <laughs> and so... 
I did enjoy the backup feature more than the first feature, right? Because it does really explain what's going on in Daredevil's head and how he moved from point mm-hmm. A to point B. But the way they ended the main feature, the, that last page, doesn't leave me excited for issue two of Daredevil. But don't you want to know America? why Captain America's throwing his shield at him? Not or really. who's throwing Captain America's shield? No, or I'm why they saying. put all the anti-Daredevil radar flack in the air? Don't you want to know these things? I just, you know, kind of like you guys, I'm tired of heroes beating on heroes. And uh, I'd much rather if this was going to be some sort of mob hitman coming after him or some associate of the spots or some bad guy. The the idea that Captain America is going to rough him up and have some sort of, you know, come to Jesus talk about whether he's really sane and can be a hero again, which I imagine is going to happen. Uh, I got um, Andrew, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I mean, we okay. just got out of the heroic age. I mean, uh, yeah. there were no heroes fighting against heroes during the horror arcade. I mean, it's been like, what, a year since we've seen a hero fighting against a hero, right? <laughs> how, did Shadowland go, how did Shadowland work out again? Who was fighting who in that? <laughs> how did Avengers number one go? The first one <laughs> exactly. the heroic age. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So well, I, I liked it enough to pick up the next issue. I did, too. I'm on the I'll fence. Yeah, this will be uh, one of the things I pick up on the shelf the day it comes out, flip through the first couple of pages. If it looks interesting, I'll pick it up. That's fair. Now, if it now here's one thing I will give it. If it becomes three ninety nine and it doesn't have a backup, then I'm and then I probably will drop it. Um I will say that. Because, you know, three ninety nine worked because it had a backup and it felt more like picking up a book a, a copy of Amazing Spider Man. I was gonna I, say the I'm, same thing, Paul. You know, it did have that feel like the the backup story worked with the primary story. Um, you know, it, uh, you know, it felt chewy. It felt like you were, you were getting a lot for your three ninety nine. but yeah, I'm right there with you. If they start screwing me like most of the other Marvel books does, I'm off. Well, it, and the backup feature was written by Mark Wade as well, which yeah. is always, in my experience is always good. Yeah. I personally uh, would always prefer it to be two ninety nine with no backup. I don't need a backup. I want the cheaper price. Well, I don't mind the backup if it's well, if it's good. You know, I got to say, I picked up this, and I also picked up Ghost Rider number one this week, um, which was again a three ninety nine book and had a backup, and I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail on it here, but it was it was an enjoyable book. Um, but I will say what I enjoyed about Daredevil that I did not enjoy about Ghost Rider number one. Daredevil number one was not a fear itself tie-in, whereas Ghost Rider number one, the very first issue of the book, was a fear itself tie-in. Yeah, ouch. Um, that that yeah. is exactly why I did not pick up Alpha Flight. Because it was immediately a Fear Itself tie-in. Well, isn't it just a Fear Itself miniseries? That would I'm be not sure. <laughs> Ghost Rider? I mean, it's seven. No, no I think it's not about Alpha Flight. I mean, it's seven yeah, issues. Yeah, Alpha Flight. And the first issue, certainly, I mean, the Zero issue didn't have anything to do with Fear Itself. But I know at least the first two to three do. Well, Avengers Academy is crossing over into Fear Itself to also. Uh, uh-huh. And issue 16 came out this week. Tim and Aaron, I know you both read this. Oh, thank God. I've been waiting so long listening to all this Superman, Daredevil crap just to get to a real American hero like Hank Pym. Aaron, <laughs> back me up on this play, would you? He is a real American hero? Thank you. Damn it all the hell, too. My shop didn't have it, so I didn't realize it came out. So I didn't hit my second shop. Because it's actually on my pull. I have very few things on my pull. I just grab everything off the shelf. This is a book that's on my pull, and they didn't get it. Well, I, I think you ought to burn the place down. Yep. Hell yeah. Set a fire, Wayne. Set, Set a, a fire. fire. <laughs> I think we are specifically endorsing arson of crappy comic shops here on uh, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Aaron and Tim. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Rebranding. Suck it. <laughs> no, Paul's trying to limit his liability. That's exactly what he's doing. Exactly. Wait, what? 
have a I have a little more seniority than Tim here. I'm just saying, funny books with Aaron and Wayne. Fine, fine, whatever you guys want. Just let Paul's <laughs> names out of it. Chris <laughs> 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 I'm just a guest star. It's it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be difficult to describe this too much without spoiling but um i guess what we can say pretty easily is this this continues the the uh hank pym absorbing man fight that that started right at that last page of issue 15 um and i this was this was easily my book of the week well and what's nice about it is that the fight between hank pym and the and the absorbing man occurs at godzilla like size you know they are they are they are you know super monster tall uh, fighting in the streets of uh, of New York. Dubai. So, oh, is it Dubai? Dubai. Um, and of course, you know, you I know, haven't I haven't read this one yet because I don't have it. But I have to say, I never thought a title would ever make me care about Hank Pym. This is the first time I have ever cared about this character. Is in this title, he's never been interesting anywhere else to me. Well, he's usually, you know, been played as an ass in most of the other books, at least, you know, in, in the last twenty years. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I I I particularly dug the scene where you know Pym starts building a structure out of other buildings. You know, he he builds a, he just tears a skyscraper apart and starts building a dimensional doorway. That was uh. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and then in the in in the. Uh, the text, you know, they're like, okay, this building is. We've already evacuated this building, you know, and rips it apart. So, you know, you're not. They're not, you know, doing any close-ups to the windows, showing the people screaming as the building is being torn asunder, <laughs> which I thought would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, this this was a a fun superhero fight uh, from beginning to end. This is, you know, it focuses on Hank Pym and then on. Uh, uh, yeah, Vale. And, you know, I don't know about you, Tim, but uh, – and, you know, Wayne, you might want to cover your ears uh, for, for this part of the discussion. But uh, I had – from the first panel, I felt like that was going to end badly. You know, from the first panel of the Vale story, I felt like this was going to end poorly. You know, I, I agree, but – like halfway through, I thought, okay, they got past the part where I thought it was gonna, they were, they were gonna, you know, it was gonna go bad. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, oh, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be her having to explain to the, the little girl that, and, and then, but then they, it's like everything kind of turned brighter for a sec, and then it got crushed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I- like Vale said no, and I'm like, oh no. It's like it's just the the character that something like that needs to, ha- to happen to right in front of her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and and I I I like that you know Vale wasted no time in taking care of business after that as well. Um, and and I think we've 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 been about as cryptic as we can be. But you know, it, it, we have said it before. It sure does seem like Vale is being set up to be a villain. You know. Uh, and and I, I I think that uh, this issue supports that theory. Uh, yeah, and you, it's an understandable progression, and it'll, yeah. it'll be a sympathetic progression. Because, Absolutely. You know, all she's trying to do is the right thing, and she keeps you know pooching it. Well, and, you know, she didn't even there. screw this up. She, I mean, this no. was this was somebody else, except that you know she probably took the wrong action. No, know? and she, you know, that the whole 
the whole getting the Corvac power yeah. is is the spark, and it's absolutely it's gonna it's gonna happen. So, yeah. but yeah, and she continues enjoyed. she continues to be beautifully drawn. You know, uh, the uh, pencils by Tom Rainey. I love the way he draws her effect of you know transitioning from solid person into you know her veil persona. Uh, you know, when you see the bands of the of the physical costume slip away, I just I think that it's really a neat effect. I, I like seeing that. So. Yeah, and it, I don't know I don't know if I, I know I've said this on Twitter, but this is my fa- this is my favorite monthly book coming out now. Uh-huh. And uh, I, you you really should you give it a, give it a shot. I mean, I don't know if you might have to look for some trade paperbacks to get into it, but uh, definitely it's an awfully good book. Awfully yep. good book. But I, I can't read it. Why can't you read it, Paul? Because it doesn't have furries in it. Well, that's Not, true. That's luckily, true. it has a lizard. It, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't because DC has already answered my call and released Wonder Woman and the Furries Flashpoint tie-in issue two of three. True, true. Well, well Hawkwoman's kind of a furry, right? True, and you know, featuring Jared from Subway, guest stars in this issue. So. Oh my god! <laughs> Again, <laughs> and Layla <Yeah>. Ali. <laughs> god, just stab me in the face with this fucking Subway thing. <laughs> stab you in the face with a Subway sandwich. Yes, please. Stab me in the face with some Subway sandwiches. Yeah, hit me up with that turkey club. This have any of you actually up. read any of those Subway things? Because I no. read the yeah. first one, and I haven't touched them since. Same. I read the first one because Aquaman's like, because you know Aquaman gets saved by subway people, and he's like, oh thanks, I shouldn't have gone swimming alone. Oh god, <laughs> stop! Yes. Stop! Do you remember? <laughs> none of these can touch the awesomeness that was the Hostess cupcake ads from back in the eighties. <laughs> but you know? I actually like those. those. Yeah, they those were only like a, like a page or two. A page, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. a page. Yeah, <laughs> not sure it was a whole page even, but yeah, you know it. It makes sense. Galactus doesn't eat Earth because they get him a bunch of Hostess cupcakes. Well, you know, and you also had the uh, the Spalding ads with you know Dr. J. Julius Irving. So you know, <laughs> again, one, one page, not six pages. Nor was it in the friggin' middle of the book. Yeah, right yep. in the friggin' middle. Yep. Well, I understand I mean, Jared's getting his own title. <laughs> in the new 52. <laughs> yeah, it is in the new 52. In the new 52. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to be set several years before, and so it'll be Fat Jared versus Skinner. So. Exactly. Be, Fat Jared is Resurrection Man. It's going to be like a blob book. Then. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. But in Fat, but in Jared, Man of Tomorrow, he's Skinny Jared. That's right. So we get two monthly Jared types. That's right. But, he's, but he's brooding. He's brooding. And he yeah. his he's angry Jared. Emo. <laughs> he's Emo angry Jared. Jared. <laughs> Yeah. All I part about a brooding Jared. I don't know. All <laughs> part of the new 52. <laughs> uh, so, so Wonder Woman. Past, yeah, if we can get past the six pages in the middle, how was the other pages surrounding the subway ad? Oh, this book is so good. I've just enjoyed uh, this and the uh, Aquaman uh, tie-ins. I've uh, been so good. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I fully agree. I, I like... You know, this is the most interesting part of the Flashpoint universe for me. It's the Wonder Woman Aquaman, you know, war thing going on. And I just I'm really enjoying this book. I enjoyed Emperor Aquaman two last week and I, I'm I'm just liking the way they tie together. I, I I find it interesting that, you know, Wonder Woman is comfortable cutting a woman's head off and then wearing the woman's helmet. 
That was that was fantastic. I, 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 am, no, I have no. to say that when I cut off one of your heads, I'm not going to wear your hat afterwards. Just she, you might put on my t-shirt. <laughs> she didn't cut the head off a, a woman, Aaron. She cut the head off an Atlantean. They're not people like you and me. Oh, that's a good point. That's a fair point. Yeah, at least from her point of view. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I had the same problem with this book that, that we talked about last time. Um, I, I feel like there's too much deceit, you know, behind the scenes uh, for Wonder Woman and Aquaman. I would be more comfortable if the characters were just genuinely this way as opposed to being manipulated to be this way. Um, And that's what bugs me is I I feel like Aquaman and Wonder Woman are smart enough to see the deception around them, to see that they're being manipulated by these other forces and, you know, that they have been led down this path rather than having chosen this path themselves. Well, I think Wonder Woman is smart enough to notice that. Aquaman shouldn't be swimming alone. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That guy. (laughs) Well, after the breakup with Wonder Woman, he's only swimming alone now. (laughs) I'm sure. Now that Mira's Mira's had her head cut off, you're right. (laughs) He's still got got her sister, the sister-in-law with benefits. You know uh, what Aquaman needs are water wings. And I love, I love how in the beginning of this book, you know, uh, at the beginning, of this, the Atlanteans are coming to to the Amazonians to, you know, as a peace party to explain that they had nothing to do with the assassination of their queen. Uh, sorry, the assassination of their queen. And of course, so standard procedure. I mean, this makes common sense. What do you do? You bring a fleet of warships and surround the island. Absolutely. That's- that is that diplomacy one hundred and one. That is how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's diplomacy through intimidation. So I have a question. Kind of. It's like Kissinger is advising Aquaman <laughs> on how to how to come to terms with Amazonians. Can I can I refute something real quick, Paul? Well, Please. I was going to ask I, you. In fact, my question was for you. So oh, okay. I'll let you go first. Well, I was just going to say, Aaron said he didn't like the fact that they've been duped into being the way they are. I really like that in the first issue that spark of uh, treachery, but you know I was hoping that it would lead organically into them making these choices at this point in these titles in issues right. two of both Aquaman and Wonder Woman. But I, I think at first I like the fact that you know it's kind of a it's kind of a you know a dark part of the book that they would have been just fine had not for this. Right. Kind of Shakespearean in a way, mm-hmm. but yeah. At this point, I, I would like to see like not the, not so much treachery, but just you know them being set on the path that they've kind of chosen. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So Tim, did you pick up issue one when it came out? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if you actually picked up issue one or if you picked it up based on our recommendations. Oh, I think I think no, I, I think I did pick up issue one. Okay. I mean, because I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm not picking up Wonder Woman on a monthly basis, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the JMS or uh, Phil Hester run, but I, I enjoy this Wonder Woman. You know, yeah, I know there's the treachery thing, and I know it's technically not her fault. She's an innocent woman pulled into bad things. But in actuality, I mean, if you look at the characters, both of them were kind of bastards before the treachery happened. You know, they weren't nice people. Um, well, and I just, I just wish we could have carried that on. 
You know, I mean, like we did see in the Aquaman origins that, you know, he wasn't tied to his humanity, that he was focused more on his Atlantean origins, um, that he never understood the sacrifices that his human father made for him. You know, uh, I, I just wish that the instances that have you know spawned this war had just been a little bit more of their own doing versus having been manipulated into them. Because it just makes the characters not responsible, and I'd rather that the characters be responsible for their actions. Paul, I kind of disagree because I I think that at that point in their lives, they were still kind of partially unformed. Like 14 years ago, you know, it's like, yeah, I could see Aquaman kind of being a little bit more of a dick because of uh, Aquaman 2 kind of explaining why he thought, you know, the way he did about his his, uh, human father. But, you know, and Wonder Woman being raised a princess, so she's got, you know, her own views on lessers and stuff like that. But they're still kind of in that development stage. And I think the treachery kind of, like, cemented everything going into the crap salad that's going to be in issue three. Well, and maybe I agree with you. I mean, I I don't completely disagree with you. Because, I mean, the whole point of Flashpoint, the whole point that we're trying to get across, or that DC's trying to get across with Barry Allen trying to reform the Justice League, is that, you know, by nature, these characters are good people. And, you know, despite their appearance or their actions in this universe, you know, they they are still the core, um, you know, is still the same. And, you know, so maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's something that, they should be getting across more. I don't know, but I, I, I gotta be honest. I don't know if I care because I'm just enjoying the books. I'm enjoying the story. You know, I'm enjoying what's happening. I love that Aquaman, that um, Wonder Woman just took off Mira's head like it was nothing. Yeah, like there wasn't a fight scene. Mira walked up and Wonder Woman said, "You know what? Fuck you." Bam, done. <laughs> you know, I just I enjoyed that, and then she, and then she put on her helmet like, "Hey." Shit's mine now. See, and I think she should have taken Mira's head and put it on a pike. You know, shown the Atlanteans. Look here. I mean, I think, I think when you behead she somebody, she sent back her headless body. She's like, hey, yeah, but you, but you should you should be flaunting her head around. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to behead somebody, you own that. Well, you know, know you go all she, in. She kind of did by putting the helmet on. Well, but yeah, you know, you, you could have like she could have made a purse out of it. You know, <laughs> the mirror purse. <laughs> So only one more issue left to go in both of the titles. Um, I'm curious to see how it's going to wrap up because I think uh, you know Emperor Aquaman ended with him and Wonder Woman confronting each other. Uh, this issue ends with Aquaman saying "Kill them all" about the Atlanteans, right. and both of them are prequels. I think you know I think the ultimate resolution is going to be in Flashpoint number five, but oh god you know, damn I, it! <laughs> I mean, because the cover shows Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Um, so I, I, you know I, I, I want to see where it goes. And uh, only a month to go left before uh, all this is over. And miraculously. I really hope it continues the Shakespearean theme. And miraculously, DC has gotten their books out on time on this. I'm I'm rather impressed with that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you hire guys like Schlagman and Pistachio. (laughs) (laughs) When you hire young, hungry bucks, man, they get stuff done. Porn sack. (laughs) Porn sack. (laughs) Give me Schlagman on the phone. (laughs) Stack. Hey, I got a question for you, Paul. I have did, an answer you, for you, did you look at any of the 70s DC retro titles this week? I did, and I did not pick up any of them. Yeah, same here. I'm excited about the 80s ones yeah, and yeah. some of the 90s ones, but the 70s, I, I glanced through all of them that were there and didn't 
pick up any of them. Yeah. Maybe when the Superman 70s one comes out, I might end up getting it. But if it looks anything like the Batman one, I won't be. Yeah. Well, and here's where my issue really came in. It's not that they were bad looking books. They look like the 70s Batman books. And I got to be honest, I didn't or, you know, there were three of them. They looked like the 70s books. And I didn't care for those comics back in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, you know, I liked the 80s stuff. I liked the 90s stuff. And so when we start getting into the Marv Wolfman, the Alan Grants, the, the Mike Bars and the Ron Mars books, you know, those are the ones I'm really excited about. I was less excited about the 70s ones. And you know, I'm I'm really excited about the '80s and '90s, especially the Superman and Batman books. Well, you know, yeah, I, I don't I, know if I'm more excited for the Superman by Wolfman or the uh, the Green Lantern by Ron Mars. I'm excited both, about both of those. He's so pumped. Yeah, but you know, I I could get excited about a a DC retroactive '70s book that's illustrated by Kurt Swan, but of course he's dead. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't there's I don't think there's another Superman artist that would really have me jazzed from the '70s era. So. Yeah, I think the problem with the 70s books is that because those artists are, for the most part, retired, right. um, they have modern artists aping the old styles. Yeah. And you have – because I don't think Tom Mandrake was even an artist back in the 70s. Mike Grell was. He's yeah. doing the Green Lantern book. But, you know, I mean, you're, you're looking at artists like uh, Benito Gallego, Eduardo Barreto, Jay Bone. These guys weren't drawing comics in the 70s. Yeah. They're those just are, trying to do a comic book style. Paul, you're just reading off an Italian menu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, guys like uh, SpaghettiOs and uh, Marinara sauce. <laughs> G. Alfredo. Raviolio. <laughs> John Ravioli. <laughs> well, you know, while, while we are hip deep in the war between Atlantis and the Amazons, oh. we're in the aftermath of the War of the Green Lanterns. Now, uh... uh I, at the recommendation of both uh, Paul and Andrew, I picked up Green Lantern 67 last week, uh, which you know was the was the big, you know, issue where Hal loses his ring, Sinestro gets a ring, and so I picked up Green Lantern Aftermath as well. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about it. No, no, you can't end there. Don't leave yep. us on a cliffhanger. What did you think of Green Lantern 67? I thought it was exactly. a good book. I, I agree with your review. I, I, I thought that it was a, a strong book. I, I rather enjoyed it. Um, I, 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 I hate that we, you know, we're going to wait till September to, to see more of, uh, Green Lantern Sinestro. Um, it actually is kind of telling a story I've been wanting them to tell in Green Lantern for a while in that the Green Lanterns really have got to retire the Guardians. I mean, I think that the Guardians have, have proven that they can't lead this organization. Yeah, but they still haven't, they still haven't taken out those little turds. Yeah, but I think I, yeah. I I feel like they're finally addressing that in the story, you know. Other well, than I don't trust the little blue guys. You know? And the guardians have moved to remove the one person who has been proven to be able to hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I, I thought sixty seven was a good book. Uh, you know, I think what we're going to see now is we're going to see how Jordan. You know, there, there were, I think we're going to see an uprising. I think we're you know it'll take a little while because Jeff Johns is more into this long form storytelling. Right. Not quite Hickman, but you know, I think probably within a year we'll see this uh, uprising. Um, you know, against the Guardians. Right. And I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, but War of the Green Lanterns Aftermath shows what happens right after how Jordan gets put on Earth. Well, it doesn't show what happens to him, but it shows what happens on Oa. After Hal Jordan has been ejected and Sinestro has been given a Green Lantern ring. Now, before we go too far along, two things I want to say. I love this cover. Which cover did you get? I got the one with the bloody lantern ring. 
Yeah, that's, that's what, what I, I got too. Both of them were there. Both covers were there, and I looked at the two. And it was like, why would I ever get the one with Guy Gardner when you've got this wonderful, incredible bloody ring? This right now is on the t- one of the books on the top of my list for best covers this year yeah, so it's, far. It's a beautiful cover. It, it is just yep. so well drawn. Uh, Are you making fun of Guy Gardner, pal? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that was the first thing I wanted to say. Hooser. S- second thing I wanted to say is I'm not a big fan of Aftermath-type books because a lot of times it's it's the book to fill the gap between the next story, but it doesn't really advance the story along. It's just more of a protracted moment from the end of the last book. But that Agreed. was not an issue with this issue. Really? I felt I, like I, I thought I think advanced I, the story. I, it, it advances the story with a couple of characters, but you know you don't get anything really additionally with Hal Jordan, and you really don't get anything additionally with Sinestro. What you're True. getting is more stuff with John Stewart. Well, I think we'll see more Sinestro in issue two because this isn't a one shot. This is a a two parter. True. Well, I mean, it, it advances things nicely with uh, Ganthet, with uh, you know Saint Walker coming to visit him with uh, I can't remember her name. His you know his love there, the other little Said. little yeah with yeah. Said. Said you know it does a lot with John Stewart and uh, Kyle Rayner and their relationship. That's been uh, you know, they d- dealt a lot with the whole Mogo uh, aftermath, and then uh, Sinestro's daughter, whose name I'm blanking on, um, uh, Arisia. Natu. Was it? Oh, Natu. Sorry, Sorinak, yeah. Sorinak Natu. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, because at the end of that, they're setting up, hopefully we're going to see an issue two, which is them heading down to the uh, Citadel and uh, breaking in. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting Sinestro. thing is, I think besides being an aftermath, this is a prequel. I mean, this yeah. is my jumping on point back for the Green Lanterns. I planned on, based on the some of the previews, picking up after the the reboot, but... I picked this issue up and absolutely loved it, and it was everything I needed to get caught up for what's going forward. This is all groundwork for after the reboot. I absolutely love this issue, and I haven't read Green Lantern in a long time. So, I mean, that may be... I'm wondering if it is supposed to be part prequel, but it definitely feels like a prequel. One of the things that I really enjoyed about the book, though, is that Jon Stewart's not beating himself up about the choice that he made about Mogo. And while everybody else is willing to, uh, you know, hold him accountable for that, he's like, "Hey, I made the hard choice. It was the only option available." Yeah, you, I, you destroy a planet once, you blame yourself. You destroy a planet the second time, you tell everyone to screw off. <laughs> when, no, I think that's I think that's exactly what informs the decision. He's like, you know, last time I caused millions of people to die. This time around, I did what needed to be done to save millions of people. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a question because I've been I would got War of the Green Lanterns the whole way through. I I saw where it was leading and I was like, I don't really want to read a book that doesn't move the story like you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. Is this something that's going to be necessary to jump back on 52? I, I don't think I it'll don't. be necessary. However, I do think it does help wrap up some of the ongoing plot threads um, like the John Stewart, like Ganthet, like you know, some of the stuff that had been set up. I don't. I, I really don't think we're going to see anything further in the evolution of Sinestro or Hal Jordan. Um, See, but to the, me, if you're interested in the side characters, I think you'll you'll find enjoyment in it. Yeah, to me, it's defining the status quo for all of these characters before the new series starts. That's what it feels like it's doing it to me. I do think we'll see more with Sinestro next issue. I don't think we'll see character development with him or anything, but I think we will see more of him. Personally, I could care less about Hal Jordan. I've never liked the character. So if they don't touch on him again, I'm fine with that. 
Well, I will say one of the one of the titles in the new Fifty Two is a book called The New Guardians, um, starring Kyle Rayner and and and, and a, a character from each of the core. So maybe this is the the off seeding of the old Guardians and the establishment of the new Guardians. I hope so. Because it know, makes sense within the story, you know. Because I mean, the Guardians are just hopelessly flawed. Yeah, I mean, you saw how many Green Lanterns were trying to quit the core in this book. Yeah. Before they uh, they told them that no uh, no resignations would be accepted because everyone has post traumatic stress. I thought that was a really good touch that they actually took the time to do the scan on everyone, do their mental health, and determine that basically the entire core was devastated by this event. Now, you know, think about Oa and all the damage it took during Blackest Night, and then Oa and all the damage it took during the War of the Green Lanterns. Um, what are the pro- What is the insurance rate got to be on Oa? I mean, that's just got to be nuts. <laughs> I don't Stupid. think they can get insured. All states like fuck you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they called up the president from Twenty Four, you know, uh-huh. the guy from the commercials, and they're like, "Hey, Mr. President, you know, you think you can get us some insurance?" And he's like, "You know, I don't, I don't, I really don't think I can help you on this one." Yeah, but that's the plus is you don't really need insurance when you can build everything with the, just a thought. Oh, that building's gone. I'll rebuild it with my ring. Uh, but apparently not, because John Stewart's like holding up a. Is that this issue, or am I thinking Green Lantern Corps, where John Stewart's like holding up a building, and then like the second he stops, the building falls down? Did that happen in this issue? I think it was the previous issue. Okay, that must have been Green Lantern Corps then. Yeah. yeah, there's you know he's holding up a building, and it's like why not just rebuild it with your ring? You know, but yeah, apparently you can't just rebuild Oa immediately. Oa wasn't built in a day, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> the guardians could rebuild it, even if the lanterns could. Yeah, but yeah, they're, they're too busy being little pukes. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, they had to go off and make their Smurf movie. So oh, fucking Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> but I am looking forward. I am going to pick up issue two, and I am, you know, because I think all of us had pretty much said, you know, fuck Green Lantern. The new Fifty Two is even is a good reason for us not to read Green Lantern anymore. And then they DC was like, you know what? We're going to make it interesting. Hal Jordan out, Sinestro in, new you know, new status quo in the Green Lantern universe. That's actually interesting. I'm I'm going to pick up the the Green Lantern titles and see how they are. Yeah, I was the opposite. I'd said uh, fuck Green Lantern a while back and dropped all the titles, and the this was my ch- chance to jump back in instead of jumping out. Now, one title that I did drop out of a couple of months ago um, in Loser. the middle of. Whatever, you're still reading it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Good. <laughs> is New Avengers. And New Avengers number 14, The Fear Itself tie-in from Brian Michael Bendis with art by Mike Diodato came out last week. Uh, but we did not talk about it. Uh, so we're talking about it this week. Aaron and Andrew read it. What would you guys think? Yeah, so Paul, you know, after the last issue of New Avengers, I told you it was a good time to jump back in now that they'd finished the 1950 storyline. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, you mean in The Fear Itself tie-in? And, you know. It turns yeah. out the Fear of Self time would have been a great place to jump back in. In what way? Tell me. Explain to me, Andrew. Well, they, they resolve – you remember maybe about, what was it, eight issues ago when Bobby Barton got shot? Mockingbird. Mockingbird, oh, sorry. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So it pretty much – if you just seen like that first issue where she got shot and went to this and just skipped everything in between there, I think it would have been a pretty nice storyline. In uh, this one, Bobby, it's it's kind of – it's kind of like she's in the confessional. It's in the future. It's from from after or some point in the future of Fear Itself. So it's not in the mod, the current Fear Itself storyline. 
and she's doing one of these uh, Avengers oral histories. So she's like in a confessional and she's recording it. She's there by herself and she's, she's really going through what's changed in her since she got shot. And then in her space between these little confessional moments is uh, how what what the uh, new Avengers were doing uh, during the Blitzkrieg USA and what happened to them. And I got to say it uh, uh, besides the fact that Marvel ripped off Battletech uh, <laughs> with the Warhammer design, um, I, th- I thought it was a very well done book. Aaron, what do you oh. think? Oh, sorry, Paul, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, that it seems like the new Avengers tie-ins are very similar to the Avengers tie-ins. I know you guys aren't reading Avengers, um, but I've been reading that. And it, it's all done with confessionals and flashbacks to what was happening during Fear Itself. And um, so it's interesting that this is from the point of view of Bobby, or Mockingbird, because the Avengers book is from the view point of view of Hawkeye and Spider-Woman, huh. and they're getting it on. Oh, no, so no, apparently all you need to do is get shot in Hawkeye's leg. <clears throat> I'm going to go hit it with Spider-Woman. Now, I wish I had been reading the Avengers Fear Itself tie <laughs> Well, but wait a minute. John Romita Jr. still drawing that book? Uh, well, the Fear Itself tie-ins are drawn by Chris Boccolo. See? Huh. See? Huh. So what do you think about it, uh, Aaron? Well, you know, first thing I'd like to say is that the cover has that, you know, I, I think the uh, the fear itself thing, you know, the thing with his hammer and, you know, looking all evil and glowy from the inside. I think that's a really neat look. I like I like seeing that. Um, you know, you've got the thing up there with this hammer and he's looking all badass and not in the book. Not for a second. <laughs> yeah. Th- not, that, not even like off in the distance. Yeah. Nope. That aspect of the thing, the, the, the evil thing is not in the book. So but that said – Love the Diodato art in this book. I really very much enjoyed it. In fact, there is a page where um, he has silhouettes of everybody in the Avengers dining room. Uh, it's a two-page spread, and I just I think it's just beautifully rendered. Um, so you know, big ups to Mike Diodato. Um, I love that Spider-Man is you know telling him he's quitting. You know, I'm out of here, yep. and it's because of Victoria Hand. And he tried to, to leave like a gentleman. Hey, I've just got too much going on. But they all pushed on him, and you know, Victoria Hand's like, it's because of me, right? And he's like, well, yeah, you know. Yep. And you know, everyone's giving him crap about it. And you know, he says, uh, you know, hey, don't worry about it. Bye bye. And the rest of you, when you're all looking down the barrel of Norman Osborn, Norman Osborn's crazy gun, I hope you remember. And that's when uh, Mockingbird walks in, all fully healed. Because remember, the last time we saw her in the pages of New Avengers, she'd had a, a you know horrible gut wound from uh, getting shot while they were busting up uh, the, the hammer uh, cell. Well, and, well, not even not even just all better improved yes because now you know the way they healed her because she was she should have been dead i mean they made it very clear mockingbird you know this this looks really 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 bad um so what they did is they gave her some experimental archived super soldier serum so you know she's you know all healed up and now a super soldier so she can you know jump on a mech beat it up knock it to the ground um She's pretty badass. I'm very interested in this character. Well, and one of the kind of things that happened off to the side a little bit is is when Bobby comes in, she breaks up this big confrontation between Spider-Man and Victoria Hand with the rest of the group there. And, yeah. and Bobby comes in, they all get distracted from it. Yeah. But but off in the corner, Wolverine comes over and grabs Spider-Man and tells him to come with him. And they go off to the corner and they're talking. And then Luke Cage wanders over and it's the three of them talking off in yeah. the corner. 
And then they all go off panel together, and Victoria Hans just standing there staring at him. Yeah. Cannot wait to see what comes of that. Yeah. No, I, I, I dig this book so hard. I'm, you know, I, I, I hate to say it because I know he's a comics icon, but I really did not enjoy the Howard Chaykin art from the uh, 50s storyline. And I'm so glad to see that he is not on, on the book for this issue. Um, I wasn't wild about his art. I really wasn't what I really did not enjoy the 1950s storyline. Yeah, nor did I. Nor did I. But except, I, the, the modern for the stuff, tactical whale strike, though, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the that tactical was, whale was strike was was uh, was it was genius. You mean the face of God? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they described it as. Show him the face of God. So in the in the pages of this book, Avengers Tower collapses in a scene that's very reminiscent of uh, the tower collapse, you know, back in 2001. Yep. Um, did that happen in the pages of the Avengers, Paul? Um, it happened, yes, in the pages yeah. of the Avengers, because that was uh, the thing and um, Red Hulk okay. are fighting, and they caused the tower to, to fall. I see. Um, and, of course, you know, that, that gives uh, Mockingbird the realization that, you know, this is some serious stuff. She was out there having a big time kicking ass, but, you know, she sees the seriousness of Avengers Tower coming down, and this gives her a new cause, a new cause, you know, a second chance, if you will, in her words, so I could kill the Red Skull. Can't wait. See, and and maybe it's because she has a misunderstanding, but in the pages of Avengers, Red Skull's the hero. Red Skull is not backing down against the thing, mm-hmm. and he gets his ass knocked into another country. Yeah, um, you know, but yeah, no, I no. Mean, their fight is what causes Avengers Tower to fall. Well, she's referring no. to Red Skull as Sin, though. Yeah, oh, Red Skull. Not, I'm sorry, I thought you said not, Red Hulk. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Cause like Red Red Skull was fighting the thing. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in the Avengers? Yeah. So anyway, I, I thought it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was excellent. You know, I was a little worried about being a fair itself and just coming off the 1950s stuff, and yeah. it it was good. Well, and you know, I didn't. The book came out last week, and I didn't read it because it's got that freaking Fear Itself banner on it, and I'm just not very jazzed about the Fear Itself books. And so, you know, it took me a week to come around to that book, uh, simply because of the banner. If it had just said New Avengers and didn't have that Fear Itself banner, I'd have read it right out of the, right out of the gates. Yep. So, I, it, the the Fear Itself marketing is working against it working against it so no i'm gonna go ahead and say the main title of fear itself is working against it because if it was a good book the marketing would be great yeah you know the flashpoint i, I don't get turned away from a flashpoint title because it has yeah. flashpoint on it because yeah. flashpoint's pretty good but fear itself yeah just the canterbury cricket turns me off on flashpoint so <laughs> and for for anyone who wants to know why i finally turned away from fear itself just go listen to the lost episode we never released and you'll understand why i've turned away from fear itself yeah i won't yeah. go into it again i, I won't go into it again <laughs> But um, so next week, huge week in comics, uh, the beginning of Spider Island in Amazing Spider-Man 666. Uh-huh. Also, um, FF number seven. I know you guys are fucking jazzed for that uh, one, you know, featuring well, we the return to... of Greg Tachini. I'm going to stab Paul in his neck. I just want to get out of the way. I may not even pick it up. I might not either. Yeah. So here's a question for you guys. Is anybody picking up Captain America and Bucky? It's Maybe. written by Ed Brubaker with art by Chris Somney. Is it t- uh, is it telling the story of World War II, Captain America? Yes. Yeah, I'll be picking it up. Yeah, yeah I'll definitely I'm, be picking that up. That loves me some Chris Somney. 
a bunch of Flashpoint tie-ins, including Kid Flash Lost, Hal Jordan, Lois Lane, and Project Superman. You know, I was not able to – I have still not been able to find a copy of that first issue of Lois Lane. Really? Yeah. It was just that popular. Yeah. People love their Lois Lane and the Resistance. And That's issue right. two features Grifter from the Wildstorm universe, mm-hmm. now right. in the DC universe proper. And, so. you know, something else huge next week, Knights of Rainsboro issue four. Mm, exciting. On but Friday. This week, next week. Well, then so don't look for it this Friday because you'll be fucked. Next week. <laughs> no, this Friday. We didn't this release last Friday. Friday. It yeah, is this Friday, Friday, Paul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Put your head out of your ass. Whatever. Well, there's also a few good things coming out from Boom this week as well. Oh, yeah. Boom's oh, got yeah. it this week. But Boom is dominating this week. Go run out right now. Pick up Dracula Company of Monsters issues 1 through 11 because the final issue, issue 12, comes out this coming Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. And then Planet of the Apes, issue number four, by Daryl Gregory. Yeah. Daryl. Daryl. It's a week for Daryl Gregory. Incorruptible number 20, Mark Wade. That yeah. that title is still incredible. I love every issue. I have to say, I you know, having read the most recent issue of Irredeemable, I'm liking Incorruptible a whole lot more than Irredeemable these days. Yeah, these for days. me, it's been a while since I've liked uh, Irredeemable more. I, I have not enjoyed Irredeemable since uh, he left the planet. It was even before that that I quit liking it. I, I, I need for them to fix that because I really do. I, I enjoyed the core of that book, but you know him being off-world and crazy. I mean, I appreciate his craziness. I'm just tired of him being up in his See, head. Have you read the last issue? I uh, read the issue, yeah, the one that just came out. Yep, because they are fixing that. He's coming back to Earth. I'm looking forward to that. So, But yeah, Incorruptible Incorruptible's been great. Well, you know what I'm excited about? What's that? Not comics-related. Do any of you guys get epics on your ca- from your cable provider? No. Right. Who has cable? <laughs> <laughs> I don't epics. know if I do or not. Epics, E-P-I-X. Um, are you, are you they, looking forward to the Captain's documentary? The Captain's documentary came out this week featuring William Shatner interviewing all the, you know, the main captains from all the, the various TV series. You know, so we'll find out that Avery Brooks is still alive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he'll interview Kate Mulgrew, Scott Bakula, Chris Pine. I'm, Didn't I'm, Avery Brooks I'm do something recently? Because he's done voice work. Maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. And it's available on Epics HD if you, if you have it through cable. Or if not, just go to epicshd.com because you can watch it for free online. Well, I'm just looking to see if I've got Epics on my cable box. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just watch what TiVo tells me to. People should tell you to watch the captains. Yeah, that about covers it. I I don't watch anything live. I don't know what channels I have. I exactly. just know what gets recorded. I know I've got HBO and Showtime, but you know I don't really know much more than that. I don't watch well, anything. <laughs> well, you know you're all Hulu over there. Nah, not so much. I'm all Netflix streaming. Screw screw cable. Well, for those of us <laughs> who care about cable or or have the internet, you can watch. The captains. I'm excited. I'm gonna go watch it tonight or today. That does, you know, that does look interesting. I'm, I'm, I hadn't heard about it until you told me about it, so I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to going to see it. Well, supposedly the big thing is that you know Chris Pine was leery about being on the documentary, so well, to and, him and up, he arm wrestled William Shatner though. Yeah, that's what William Shatner suggested. They arm wrestle to loosen him up, and that started the interview. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I like William Shatner, and you know, the, he seems to be. For the longest time, he seemed to be kind of, you know, screw Star Trek. Uh-huh. But he seems to just be embracing it so much now, and that just makes me happy. You know, I, I, William Shatner's in his 70s. Yeah. 
And he just seems like, you know, I am going to make as much money and be as famous as I can possibly be all the way up until they shove me in the ground. You know, I, I, I think I, I just don't think you can kill William Shatner. I mean, and he might as well do a documentary because he doesn't have a TV show going anymore. Yeah. Because he had shit my dad says. Oh, Which and I it got canceled. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we got the captain's documentary out of it. So yeah. I'm going to go watch it right now, guys. Well, excellent. Thank you for joining us here in Paul's Mom's Ass. and uh, we'll Another exciting to- addition to Funny Books with Aaron, Tim, Wayne, Andrew, and the guy that quit. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> the guy who <laughs> dialed in. The guy who dialed in, officially supporting arson. Funny books with uh, those guys. So, <laughs> just remember when you burn down your comic shop, tell them Aaron, Tim, Andrew, and Wayne sent you. <sighs> Adios. Paul's, Paul's a coward. Out. <laughs> Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.